Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be here with David Dunn, President and Chief Investment Officer of Kingsbridge Wealth Management, a multifamily office. David, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you, Seth. Likewise, let's go back in time a little bit. How'd you get into the business in the first place? Yeah, I have a very interesting story in that sense. So I was in law enforcement after college. Okay. And uh, I used to teach people how to scuba dive uh, when I was in college. And I certified these gentlemen who were wealthy and successful and seemed to be having a good time. And so when I left law enforcement, I said, what is it you guys do? Turns out they were investment bankers. I didn't have the right credentials for that. But one of their brothers was at uh, a brokerage firm and they said, you'd be a good you know, stockbroker. Go talk to this guy. And um that's how I kind of got my start, and uh, I went from law enforcement to Merrill Lynch in 1994. Well, congratulations on the making the transition, and you save lives in a different way when it comes to their money. So talk about the transition from Merrill to Kingsbridge. Was there any stops in between? How did Kingsbridge come about? Yeah, so uh, I joined Merrill in 1994, stayed there four years, went to Morgan Stanley, more of a institutional or ultra high net worth role at Morgan Stanley. That's back in the old MS and Co days before the, right at the time of the Dean Witter merger. I spent most of my career at, uh, my career in the brokerage world at MS and at Morgan Stanley and Company. And uh, then I went to Bear Stearns for the last two years. And so if you look back, it was 14 years at other people's shops, and now it's been 15 years in the firm I founded. So well, uh, I've rolled over. Yes, you've had quite a journey to – what inspired you to start Kingsbridge? I was at Bear Stearns the day it collapsed. I'd already worked for everyone else, and I had a lot of grievances about how they did business and how they treated people. And so I was just of the mindset that, you know, I've seen – multiple ways of doing this. And I didn't like any of them. I'm going to do it my own way. Well, congratulations on that. And obviously it's become quite successful. Um, Why a multifamily office? So, you know, this goes back to my days in law enforcement. This will make some people laugh or make some people's cringe is that you can either bust people with little dime baggies of marijuana and do a lot of paperwork, or you can go after people with kilos and truckloads full. So I was not a paperwork fan, so I wanted to go after the, the bigger engagements. And when I got into this business, the same thing. 
I said, uh, you need to have thousands of clients where you're low value add and it's a lot of paperwork and there is not much to show for it. Or you can focus on very high value, but very few clients where it's a very deep relationship and it takes a lot of basically uh, understanding, same way it would as if you were doing an investigation in law enforcement. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And you are absolutely right. Um, you've built quite a team over the years. Talk a little bit about your team. Yeah. So in the beginning of the day I left, it was me and, and I, one assistant joined me. We went along that way for a few years and then we've added people over time. Uh, we made some fundamental decisions. Like I said, the main thing about starting my own firm was that I was free to do what I felt was best for my clients. Um, I hear that we're platform all the time. Platform to me, because I served on a few committees in these big firms, means that other people are deciding what you can offer. That has nothing to do with what the client needs. It's what the platform wants to offer for all kinds of reasons, most of them having to do with the uh, profitability of the platform, not uh, for the benefit of your clients. Now, hopefully they mesh in the middle. I don't know. 14 years later, I'm torn on whether that was true or not true. In my firm, we went exactly the opposite. We asked our clients, what is it you want us to do? And they said, well, everyone created all this complexity in my financial life. I have all these different things. I'm not telling you I understand a lot of them. I don't understand my estate planning. I don't understand my tax return. It's 150 pages. I don't, you know, I can barely keep track enough to pay my bills to where they're not shutting off the lights in my third vacation home I own. So with that, we said, great. Sounds like what you need us to do is you need us to be your financial infrastructure. You need us to pay your bills. You need us to run your finances, run your estate plan, um, run entities for you. Make sure that list of, you know, um, members of the LLC that you have to own your boat or your airplane was filed on time. So it wasn't a glorious job. We simply just started doing what clients needed, most of which do not fall under the definition of what the world thinks of financial advisor. You are absolutely right. So go in a little deeper in terms of how you are delivering that. Um, What does your firm infrastructure look like? Who are the folks that are on staff um, in-house versus who are the folks that you have like close referral relationships with who are also helping serve your clients? So one of the main uh, themes of the firm is that excellence is not scalable. Mediocrity is scalable. So we've always tried to bring the expertise in-house when possible and be truly excellent to a small group of of people. So roughly we have 10 families. It breaks down to maybe 26 to 30 households. Uh, You know, these families keep growing. But the truth is, is that we have extremely deep relationships where we are the true financial infrastructure. So we have people on our teams that are masters in financial planning, uh, CPAs, uh, CFPs, investment um, experts like myself. We have analysts that can do everything from um, look at venture capital ideas that are brought to our clients, to private equity, to private credit. We're basically, you know, we bring it in-house as much as we can. And then we have a really deep network of people we've done business with over the last 29 years to call on for outside expertise, or we hire it. We've hired consulting firms to help us solve issues. So, you know, our point is that 
we don't may not have the answer, but we're really good at finding the solution. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So 10 families, 20 to 30 households. Um, you've obviously got a very high communication and touch ratio in terms of the number of people working for each household. Talk a little bit about kind of how that process works and how it gets quarterbacked because you have different team members doing different things for the same client. How does that all kind of get organized and run? Yeah, so most of the people, and I've read the books and I can tell you that I I probably could have done it a little differently in the beginning, but a lot of the people look to um, two of the main principles, myself and actually my wife, Carrie, is the main point of contact. Some people will deal with some of our operation folks, but most of the family office business is still delivered by us in some sense. Now, the work's not done by us, but the relationships are still there because the average person in our family office business has been there 20 years. So it's just hard to get them to quit calling your cell phone. They're not really going to do it. <laughs> They're just, you, you can, I mean, you know, in the end, you know, I, I got a SEMA in 1998. I got a CPWA in 2008. And, you know, along those lines, they start introducing behavioral finance. And, you know, that's really the truth of this business is it's a lot less about the true math and the numbers that we do, but we are also real asset managers. And that's the side of our business that we are growing is the investment management side. But um, we did that because it's what our clients needed at the time. And that is a scalable side of the business versus the family office side, which realistic is, is hard to scale because we do have such deep touch points. So absolutely. How are, um, how are clients finding you? We don't really look for new clients at this point. It's more of a a capacity thing. Um, They find us from referrals. It's more of then it's kind of a courtship. Um, Do we like them? Do they like us? Are we going to be a a mix? There's some interesting examples of that. I mean, my wife and I are business partners. Um, She joined the firm about 13, 14 years ago. And if you've on your third wife divorced and have multiple families, you're probably not going to hire people who've been married 32 years and raise kids together and have a, you know, as your investment advisory firm in your family office. So it really is a lot of a a marriage in that sense. Um, The last true family we took on was about four or five years ago. They were a referral from an attorney and, um, you know, he had created such complexity in, in their estate planning and uh, with dynastic trusts and asset protection trusts and all these things. And he realized they had no ability to administer this themselves. And he actually sought us out and found us for our expertise. At, at, at one point, we chartered our own trust company. So we're very familiar with trust administration and, and with estate planning in that sense. That makes a lot of sense. So are you actively marketing for clients on the investment management side? We are. So in uh, 2008, when I started the firm, you know, that was the financial crisis. I had been a little bit disconcerted with the public markets ever since um, the dot-com bubble. When you see people acting irrationally on one side and acting irrationally on the other side, it crossed my mind that why do I want people to vote on the value of my assets every day? That seems like a really dumb thing to do. And so we started shifting our focus to the private markets. In 2009, we we launched our first private market fund, and we went out and bought residential mortgage-backed securities. If you remember that time, if you were around, everyone ran from them. 
So the thesis I developed over time is that in our private markets business, we want to be a, a provider of liquidity to illiquid markets. So when everyone else is running, we're going to be the liquidity provider. The reason is, is because you can price liquidity at whatever you want at that point. And it's a very profitable thing to be. We tend to do things that are credit related because that's a lot of my background. I first started managing municipal bonds, you know, way back in the day in, in the late 90s. And then we like things that solve with a payment, with a cash payment, not with I have to sell it to someone else at a price higher than I paid for it. I don't want to convince anybody anything. I want intrinsic value and we want to provide liquidity where there is no liquidity because, like I said, we can pretty much demand whatever return we want at that point. If you've got 10 clients, 20, 30 households, and you're supporting a robust team, obviously, and providing true family office services, um, that's got to be a significant level of assets under management over those 10 families. How'd you find the original 10? Uh, most of them came from my time at, uh, I want to say most, about half of them came from my time at Morgan Stanley. Uh, Morgan Stanley had a very robust investment banking business, taking um, technology companies public. I became very astute at stock options. And I went after company stock option plan, and I became basically a captive broker for several companies when they went public, which means all of the first 100 employees had to come to me to access their wealth. Um, some of those are still my clients to this day. You know, a lot of people didn't didn't like what I was laying down. I, you know, I never believed in trading. I never believed in in some of the structures that came out that didn't make a lot of sense. And so, some people just never stuck, and a few did. Well, obviously, those few were enough to build quite a business on. Um, for with with all the success you've achieved, what's your biggest challenge now? I would say our, our biggest challenge is, is for us, the next step is to, um, you know, many people come in our business and they look and they say, wow, this is, um, it's too intense to probably sell to a third party. And so we need to build internal um, kind of succession on the family office side and potentially on the investment management side, that is something we could partner with a, a true investment management firm with to ultimately sell or, or to transition to the next generation. You know, I, I'm looking at both of those strategies. I'm 54 years old, but um, I'm not one of these guys who says I want to be doing this at 75. That makes a lot of sense. Um, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? You know, honestly, I, I like I said, I love when we go in and, and look and we see the behavior that the markets are doing and that people are doing. And, and we, we look at another way and we go in and just solve the problem. Uh, I'll give you a great example of that one of our main strategy has to do with housing in that we buy fractional equity in people's home. You know, it's always frustrated me that if you look at regular America, which a lot of firms try to help, they have a $500,000 net worth, but by the way, 300,000 is the equity in their house of which the financial planner completely ignores. Correct, and yep. he wants to talk to you about that two hundred grand. Yeah, absolutely, can't get <laughs> okay. paid on the three hundred. Right. Well, we developed a strategy. Well, we buy into the equity in people's homes. Fifty percent of of homeowners have more than fifty percent equity in their home now, and the truth is they're over allocated to it. Their balance sheet is way heavy in home equity and way light in liquidity in diversified assets. 
So we have an option purchase strategy where we're one of the largest buyers in the U.S. of people's home equity, and we provide them liquidity to an illiquid asset, and they provide us a mid-teens expected rate of return over a five-plus year period, three to five-year period. We've been doing it since 2016. We did our first ever securitization of a pool of these assets. We've added things like uh, purchase debt now from banks. So we took something that was completely not mainstream, and we have kind of brute forced it into mainstream. But it wasn't really our doing. The fact is, is this is such an in-demand product by homeowners. And when the financial planning community catches on to this, it will even kick off further because the truth is, this allows people to diversify and not have 60 to 80% of their net worth in their house. That's, I mean, you created, in essence, a new product category, and you already answered my question was securitizing it for, you know, larger scale. Um, What's next? Well, we're going to take that strategy from our current 110, 120 million to a billion plus. So we are finally scaling something. It's just not the family office side of it. We're scaling the investment management side of it. I can tell you this, though. My fund has been around since 2009. It's averaged 10.7% per year for our clients. It's been the most stable asset in their asset allocation. And at this point, it's still about 50% family office money. So it has been a phenomenal vehicle for our clients. And it's... um. You know, I would definitely say it's part of our success is that we did not buy off the screen and take the easy route. We went out and found things that were truly non-correlated and had much smoother and better returns than what were available from something you buy off a screen or a custodian. That is, yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Um, I'd love to, selfishly, I'd love more information on how you did that and then obviously how to participate in that. Um, we're going to run out of time. I greatly appreciate yours. I know it's incredibly valuable for our folks watching and listening who want to learn more about David and all things Kingsbridge. Where is the best place for us to send them? So our, our websites, we have two different ones, uh, KWM, Kingsbridge Wealth Management, kwm.us.com or Kingsbridge Alts, which is our altsbusiness.com. Both of those have a, a ton of information um, we've always tried to be extremely transparent and that really goes back to our ethos. I never considered my family office clients, anything but complete partners. And we're, I have a very strange structure in that sense in that our parent company is, uh, 20% owned by one of our families. So when we needed to raise capital, we went to basically our partners and raised capital in that sense. So it's been a partnership uh, all the way along for the last 15 years it's been a very mutually beneficial partnership. And um, like I said, there's, there's still a lot of growth coming. It's just, you know, a little bit differently focused than the, the strict family office business because we stay very busy on that side with three generations in most families. And um, the, the true growth side for us is the private funds business. All right. Well, congratulations on all the success. Keep up the innovation. This has been Seth Green with David Dunn of Kingsbridge Wealth Management. Thank you all for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time.